know how people sometimes are like, when I have kids, I'm going to show them only the original Star Wars. Or when I have kids, I'm going to show them Star Wars in this order. When I even try to think about if I had like a five-year-old and I was like, all right, time to watch Marvel movies. I think I like wouldn't. I think I'd just be like, when the kid can too by on their own say, I want to watch this movie, I'll say yes. I don't think I would make any effort to make that happen. In whatever correct, whatever order. Yeah, or, nothing. I'd just be like, if the kid's like, ooh, what's this one? I'd be like, cool, let's watch it. Whichever one it is, doesn't matter. They can follow it. They'll figure it out. Dad, did you have any thoughts like that raising us on, like, what? I guess that's we should record. <laughs> I am recording. Oh, you are. Heroes Rewatch, we're here. Hero Rewatch! Hero Rewatch! Great. Uh, we're here today in upstate New York. It's Hero Rewatch. I'm Austin Halpern Grazer. I'm Marley Halpern Grazer. And we're joined by our father, Jeffrey Jeff- Mitchell Halpern. Thank you. That's the uh, studio audience of right. still only us. Mike, Mike, check. Yeah, as soon as we started talking, we all talked way louder than in the test, <laughs> and both sides peaked. Great. That's fine. People like it. It's authentic. Uh, yeah, so we're, we're all here together once again in upstate New York for Christmas, and, uh, you know, they're going to make a Guardians of the Galaxy Christmas special one day, so let's say this Guardians of the Galaxy episode is a Christmas episode. Yay! Um... So, me and my brother Marley have lived on opposite coasts for almost 12 years, and over more than 12 years, and for most of our relationship, a lot of it has been talking about these Marvel movies on the phone. But we never rewatched them. I actually think I have never rewatched the one we're about to watch today. I think I maybe have never rewatched it either, and I live in Brooklyn, New York, and I make TikToks for the library. What do you do, Marley? Uh, I live in Los Angeles, and I make uh, cartoons, and sometimes there's superheroes in those cartoons. Sometimes it's Batman. Sometimes it's the Ninja Turtles. Sometimes they're versus each other. It's great. Sometimes they're Teen Titans versus Teen Titans Go. Yeah, you give me two groups of superheroes, and I will versus them. Or Aquaman, King of Atlantis them. <laughs> yeah, he didn't versus anyone. And I am Jeffrey. I live in North Galway, New York. And I... um. Looking forward to this podcast. Great. You're, I mean, you're retired. That's cool. Oh, yes. I'm retired. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's a cool thing to be. I hope to be retired one day. Hopefully, like, really soon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah? Yeah, that'd be great. I'd love to retire at, like, 38. <laughs> okay. I'm 36 right now. I forgot to say that part. <laughs> so, two years. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm 24. All right. And today's episode, we're watching Guardians of the Galaxy. Um... Hero Rewatch. So, what do you guys... You like Guardians of the Galaxy? What do you remember about it? We're doing things a little bit different. We haven't watched the movie yet, because we're all together. We're going to talk about it for a minute, and then watch the movie and come back. Yeah, so we're going to get a really... We're going to try to get really authentic thoughts of our memories, because uh, they haven't been tainted with the movie. So I'll start. Uh, I remember this movie being really funny. I remember the songs being great. Uh, I remember it feeling like a huge breath of fresh air, like, oh my goodness, Marvel movies can be like this. Uh, And uh, yeah, I remember being excited that most of my favorite cosmic space characters were in this movie, uh, and a little bummed that some of my favorite cosmic space characters were not in this movie. 
yeah, this is in the phase of, like, I'm, like, an 18-year-old when this movie came out, so I remember being like, yeah, that was good. Oh, man, glad Chris Pratt is in a movie. He's so good. Um, really cool. I can't believe he's so buff now. Um, and remember the end being boring, and remember the songs being great, and, uh, yep, I did not, I wasn't obsessed with it, but liked it. What about you, Papa? I remember one thing that kind of bothered me about this movie was that um, Cozier wasn't in it. Cozier? Yeah. That's a different group. He's not going into the galaxy? No. Is that Co- Star Jammers? Yeah, Cozier was the the, pir- the the captain of the Star Jammers, which was a, a, another group of space pirates that would hang out with the X-Men. And they have the exact same deal. They're exactly the same. So the Guardians of the Galaxy, especially in the movies, are very much like the Star Jammers, but... And in, and in the comics, as Jeff knows, the Guardians are very different than the Space Jammers. And the movie Guardians are a lot like the Space Jammers. Fun fact for nobody, Corsair, Cyclops' father. Can you say uh, Space Jammers? Star Jammers? Star Jammers. Star Jammers? Can you say it one more time? Star Jammers? <laughs> yeah. I was just watching, I'm watching the X-Men 90s cartoon and they're in it. And they, they're so much like the Guardians of the Galaxy. It's confusing and yep yeah and they predate and th- they predate the star jammers predate this version of the gardens of the galaxy by quite a bit so i would say that the movie guardians are are taking some influence from the star jammers so none of them overlap no it's totally different people because hmm. the star jammers is is a human corsair who's uh who's cyclops's father from the x-men and then he's and got havoc's father and havoc's father and vulcan's father uh, rock guy, which guy? Rock guy. There's, there's, yeah. So then they've got Chaoed, who's like a Jupiter's Moon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That he's in the Guardians of the Galaxy. That's not the Star Jammers. So the original Guardians of the Galaxy was a big guy. Oh, and and look at the time. I think think we're about to watch Guardians of the Galaxy, loyal listeners. Um, I'm going to, off mic, I'm going to remind Dad who Martin X and Charlie 27 are. They're not in this movie. Um, And we'll we'll be right back. Hero Rewatch! We're back. We're back. Hey, we're back. We've watched the movie, and also it's like seven hours later because we got distracted with errands we had to do. Recording in person with all of us here is actually harder in a lot of ways. Yeah, but it's also a little bit more special in some ways. For instance, I just gave Marley a hug. Yeah, it's a a really effective gesture in this audio medium. Well, I said it. (laughs) They know. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy. We saw the movie now. Oh, my God. Rocket Raccoon was so funny. (laughs) He was so good in this. No, he is. I remember here. I didn't say this memory, but I remember when they said they were casting Bradley Cooper as Rocket Raccoon. And, you know, I like him. I think he's a good actor. But I do remember specifically being like, Bradley Cooper, just his voice. Does he even sound like anything? Isn't he mostly just handsome? Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, I was wrong. He's awesome. He's great. He's so good as the voice of that record. I mean, he's doing such a... It's not his voice at all. Yeah. He's really he's, doing a voice. He's doing a good voice acting job. It's very impressive. Yeah. Um. Yeah, man. And Groot is Groot in it. Um, you got Star-Lord. Um, you got Gamora. You got Drax the Destroyer, yeah. and they do, you know, you you talked a big talk of them never calling Drax the Destroyer, but they call him that, I think, 
twice in this movie. Yeah. Pretty and, cool. Like, and instantly, right? The second you meet him, they're like, that's Drax, the Destroyer. Yeah. Well, yeah, he says, do you know who I am? I'm Drax, the Destroyer. Um... <laughs> All right. Wanna... One thing I realized that seeing this movie is how much I miss Mantis in it. Oh, yeah, Mantis. Yeah, she cause... adds a lot when she comes into it. Yes, Mantis becomes a really big part of this franchise starting in Volume 2. And, yeah, she's not in this one. Yeah. Also, in the time off, we kind of figured out. We talked about a little bit more which Marvel characters these ones are and which <laughs> versions of them they are. Because it is very confusing. Because, like Marley was saying, these are... Um, fairly recent to when this film was made adaptation of these characters and the new version of the guardians of the galaxy yes so the 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 timeline of this movie is that this a new comic called guardians of the galaxy which was a collection of pretty obscure uh, outer space characters for marvel had really just uh, started being published and was really really good um i've read them at the time i've reread them recently um, and then in 2009, Marvel was doing a like writers program, uh, and uh, Nicole Perlman uh, was one of the writers, and she's the writer of the, one of the, one of the writers of this movie. And she just looked at what Marvel had, and I think what must have happened is she must have just seen this currently being published Marvel comic called Guardians of the Galaxy that's great, uh, and. Uh, spotlighted it for adaptation and it went through all the process and it became this movie and it makes a lot of sense it really was one of the best comics on the stand at the time i think mm -hmm. um and this movie is you know they change a lot of stuff they change the characters origins and their deals but like a lot of the sort of vibe of the comic is in this movie i mean i remember when they announced this movie i feel like the general vibe was like they're making a guardians of the galaxy movie um what <laughs> Make a freaking Ant-Man movie first. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, because, like, sure, Marvel was starting with sort of their B-team with Iron Man, Captain America, and Thor, but, like, Guardians was a big jump down the list of known characters. Like, it it yeah. would have made more sense to do Ant-Man and Doctor Strange uh, and Black Panther and Captain Marvel. Like, everything they've done since Guardians you'd think would have been before Guardians. Yeah, I think they took a chance with this one. But I think they really were always trying to... In the earlier movies were trying to find that, that balance between making it funny and amusing and making it serious enough that people held people's interest. Yeah. Yeah, Marley, you're saying you remembered it being like, this is the first, like, funny one or, like, a breath of fresh air. Did you still feel that way? Yeah. I mean, I think it's, it's like all of the movies I remember as being funny, it's hurt by the fact that uh, Ragnarok, Thor Ragnarok's even funnier, mm -hmm. <laughs> which is just going to be the case for every movie until we get to Thor Ragnarok, I think. Uh, but, yeah, I thought that the... The tone of this movie was great. I thought the comedy was great, and I think more, more importantly, with that like breath of fresh, fresh breath of fresh air, uh, it does it. The opening of the movie especially feels different than the other Marvel movies. I feel like the cold open with Peter Quill as a kid uh, and his you know dying mom, and then he gets abducted by aliens, and then it cuts to twenty six years later, mm -hmm. and you see uh, Peter Quill on the alien planet. And then all he starts playing his little Walkman, and the song starts playing, and then he's dancing to the song, and the credits are popping up actually on screen yeah. as he's dancing. Not something that Marvel usually yeah. does. It feels 
it's completely different than the first Iron Man, but it feels like a statement of tone the way the first Iron Man does. Yeah, and I think, you know, James Gunn has said a lot, like, on Twitter and stuff, that he did get to storyboard all of the film himself and stuff. Yes. And you can tell, like, it looks, it does look different than the other Marvel movies, and I forgot that it looks a lot nicer than a lot of the Marvel movies and, like, doesn't look the exact same as all of them. Yeah, um, especially at the time. It's the most colorful movie they'd made up to this point by a, a pretty wide margin, which is a, something I'm always a big fan of. Yeah. Don't, uh, you, don't you guys think that, that possibly that um, the fact that this movie was such a success made it possible to make Thor Ragnarok so funny? Oh, 100%. Yeah. I, we would not have Thor Ragnarok, I think, in story or tone uh, if these Guardians movies hadn't been uh, successful. Absolutely. Totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um yeah, these are such a such a big hit. Also, it's funny, like, I mean, there's this stuff with, I guess, Thanos and, like, the gems, so if you're really paying attention, you know what's connected to the other Marvel movies, but they don't say, like, Iron Man in this one. <laughs> yeah, it's probably the, it might be the first movie where no one says the name Stark at any point. I'm going into my mind palace really quickly. Yeah, pull it up for us. I mean, nope. He's in Incredible Hulk. Yeah, Stark is in Incredible Hulk. He's obviously in every Iron Man movie. Howard Stark is in Captain America. In Thor, uh, they say yeah, is that one Stark? of Starks. Yeah. In Winter Soldier, they say Stark made those re- those uh, repulsor things for us. Maybe in Thor two, no one says. Maybe in Dark World, Captain America is in it. Captain America's in it, but I'm saying Stark might not be in it. Yeah, that they one. might not say Stark, but at that point, you're really pulling hairs. <laughs> um, but yeah, man, wow. Uh, I think you're right. Um, so yeah, the way that this movie opens, like you said, is with, uh, Peter Quill, Star-Lord, with his dying mother as a little boy, um, and then he gets quickly, uh, after his, his mother dies, he runs outside and then gets abducted by aliens. Instantly. Yeah, and then it cuts to 26 years later. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I think it was really neat, I forgot how they set that up that like he's emotionally stunted as a 10 year old boy and i forgot that there was such a good reason for him to be so stupid yeah like yeah that star lord's arrest development has a lot of layers of explanations like not only was he stolen from the earth as a kid but at an incredibly traumatic time in his life yeah yeah and why he's holding on to these things from that point in his life and like whatever which is cool like that that's it's a really good origin is that his deal in the comic uh no i mean not exactly i'm not a star lord expert in the comics by any stretch he's a weird character he's from these like weird old comics that were i think even printed in a different like size they were a different shape than normal comics mm-hmm. even um, i've never uh read uh pre sort of reboot uh, star lord before he joined this new guardians of the galaxy comic but what i know is that he was this super very very pulp kind of flash gordon uh sort of character where he was the star lord this human that was like brought into space and given the job of star lord which yeah. is just this prestigious thing um so the, the version of him that i know is the one uh in the modern comics where the idea is that he's this like when you meet him he's this like beaten down disillusioned sort of loser of a man uh i think he he might even be in prison the first time you see him yeah Uh, and whenever people meet him he's always like hey i'm peter quill just trying to help out Mm -hmm. and then people are like peter quill aren't you the star lord (laughs) and his his in the comics his response to being called star lord is like no man i don't 
I don't use that name anymore. I'm just trying to be a guy. <laughs> and he really, really does not like being called Star-Lord, does not like the, like, myth of the Star-Lord, because he's just this kind of, like, messed up loser now. Yeah. Which, you get a similar... It's That's why I'm saying, like, the, the movie Star-Lord has that sort of messed up loser vibe, just for completely opposite reasons. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Yeah, and he's just, he's having more fun. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he really wants to be Star-Lord. Yeah. It's also funny, he's with the, he when he goes to see his dying mom, she's like, you got in a fight? And he's like, yeah, kids were beating up a frog. and I don't like that. And then the first thing you see him do as an adult is, like, just kick a bunch of little animals. Yeah. <laughs> Use basically a space frog as a microphone and then <laughs> chuck it into a rock. <laughs> yeah. Which also I like to show, like, it's like, he's a good guy. He's not not doing good right now. Yeah. <laughs> it's kind of messed up. Um, and, man, I forgot, like, the music in this movie is... That's part of, like, that was the... Very innovative at the time to be using all of this pop music in a movie like this. Yes, because there's um, a little bit in Iron Man, but it's also people's favorite part of those Iron Man movies, so it makes sense to do even more of it and more holistically. Yeah. It's a little more... The movie's... I bet if you dug into it, the movie's probably almost like the movie Footloose, a movie that gets referenced a lot in this movie, where in Footloose, the, it's structured like a, a musical, like a mm-hmm. stage musical, and every every pop song that plays in Footloose is at the point and has the purpose of a musical number would in a musical. Mm. And this doesn't 100% have that, but it has to be something that was on James Gunn's mind. Yeah, yeah. And then he he's stealing the, he's stealing an orb. <laughs> Oh yeah, I for I didn't forget that this movie was one hundred percent about people chasing after an orb. I did forget just how many times people say the words "the orb." Yeah, over and over, especially for that not being the name of it. It just happens to be in an orb. <laughs> yeah, and for most of the movie, they know that the thing they're chasing isn't really an orb, and they continue to exclusively refer to it as the orb. Yeah, they really do. And also, I don't know if they're. Is that meme, the like pondering my orb meme? Oh, you, you don't gotta tell me about pondering the orb, Austin. It's my <sighs> favorite meme these days. Yeah, and the thing is, they just don't. They wouldn't let you make an orb-based film like this anymore. <laughs> yeah, this movie's basically Guardians of the Galaxy. Oops, all orbs. Yeah, all orbs, all the time. Um, and yeah, and you, you get that big, big opening sequence you talked about, and he. Uh, when he gets back on his ship, you talked about this where they were trying to intro him, comparing it to Tony Stark, where he's like a womanizer or whatever. Yeah. The thing that I is different about this one is that so he shows back, he gets back in his ship, and there is a red alien lady in it, and he's like, "I forgot you were here," um, and he and, forgot her name, I think. Yeah, and forgot her name, but she's not sexualized in the scene. She's wearing clothes yes and like is upset with him and you're meant to be like that's not good you're doing this yeah i i think you're right i think the, the movie has a different opinion like yeah the movie has a very different vibe even though peter quill the character is a little bit like tony stark in that scene yeah also and you know this is subtle but it does make a difference the next scene you see where uh, Peter's, uh, uh, the guy who kidnapped Peter is Yondu, the leader of the Ravagers, mm-hmm. uh, and you see him yelling at Peter for stealing his the orb Yondu wanted. <laughs> yeah. The first of many orb-based conversations. But in that scene, the woman from the ship is, like, also there in the room, like, eating breakfast. Yeah. And then the next time you see Quill, he's on the planet, uh, uh, 
Xandar. Yeah, he's on. Yeah. He's on Xandar. <laughs> and you think what? And you see, you know, you know, you're in a Marvel movie, really th- uh, on. Thin ice if Marley cannot remember the name of the alien planet they're on. I'm not the biggest Nova fan. Uh, But yeah, so he's on the planet Xandar, and uh, Rocket and Groot uh, are looking around, and they're looking for Peter because Yondu has put a a bounty on him. Uh But what you see Peter doing is, like, having a nice goodbye with the Red Lady. Yeah, yeah, Like, they're parting on okay terms. (laughs) He's not a horrible person. Yeah, yeah. She she wasn't a journalist. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, he didn't hire. He didn't have his employer employee show her to the airlock. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah, yeah. I I remembered it being that. Yes, I remembered the Star Lord womanizing stuff being ickier. I think than it is. It's it's all right. No, I mean it's not. He's yeah. Didn't really. You know, she's also not even a woman. She's an alien. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> that seems I mean, like dangerous I, ground. I'm joking. <laughs> I mean. That actress is a woman, but she's <laughs> she's red. We don't even know what type of alien. I guess she's a Xandar person, it maybe? It seems like one of the kinds of people on Xandar are humans with red skin, because you see a lot of them on Xandar. You also see a lot of humans with human skin on Xandar. Well, they're not humans, though. I mean, humanoids. Human, well, yeah, who, they're all humanoid, but they're not, because they, they keep saying they, multiple times... I guess in space they call humans Terrans. Yeah, that's and, how you, that's how you know it's space. They can't say Earthlings because that's corny. Mm-hmm. But you also can't say human because why would they know our name for ourselves? Instead, they know one of our names for our planet. Terra. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, they say Terran like in Starcraft. Yeah, and um, uh, yeah, they say a bunch of time that they. On the Ravenger's ship, they'd never seen a Terran, and they were going to eat him. So even though they all look like humans, I guess they're not. Yeah, they are not humans. They are whatever they are. It's Star Wars rules. Everyone is humans in space. Yes. No one is a human. And also, it is the other thing that is very much Star Wars rules. And I actually... I'll, I'll admit, I forgot how much this first Guardians feels Star Wars influenced. I don't know why I forgot that. It's pretty obvious. Yeah. But it really is Star Wars rules also in there's just so many different kinds of aliens in every group shot. Mm-hmm. And there's no, it's a, the point of it is not, like some movies, some movies with aliens make a point of being like here, like in the Thor movies, they're like, here are the, here are the Asgardians, here are the ice giants. Oh. And then in the next one, it's like, here are the Asgardians, here are the dark elves. Like mm-hmm. they don't introduce a kind of, per- a kind of person in a Thor movie if it doesn't matter. Yeah. But in this Guardians one, it's every group shot is just a hundred weird aliens. And most yeah. they're not really tracking the, the species that live on these planets. Totally. Yeah. This came out before Force Awakens, right? Yeah, it must have. Yeah, by a little bit. A little bit. Um, and yeah, it's neat. It's a lot. Also, the thing that makes it Star Warsy is how many freaking spaceship battles there are in this movie. Yeah, and the sound effects are all. So I mean, basically, this movie was not influenced by J.J. Abrams' Star Wars, but it was influenced by J.J. Abrams' Star Trek, which was basically Star Wars. And you know what? I think it was a little bit influenced by too, Marley. A little show called Firefly by Joss Whedon. Um, yeah, I think a little. Because both of them do the focus things, and I guess Battlestar Galactica for the spaceship battles. Yeah. But also, they just have regular guns in space. That's true. They're sh- sometimes they're laser guns, but a lot of times they're just shooting bullets. Yeah. Like in a little show called Firefly <laughs> by Joss Whedon. Uh, yeah, and I think this this the comics Guardians are mm-hmm. not a ragtag group of uh, criminals in a found family uh, mm-hmm. hopping from job to job across the universe. They probably are now in the comics because of the movies, but the comics guardians were like uh, 
like the I don't know like a little military unit like they were mm. like a they they had a, their job was to guard the galaxy special for forces. threats yeah special forces they all wore matching uniforms the the ravagers uniforms in this with the red and the little symbol mm-hmm. in the comics the guardians all wore those but blue okay. like those basic uniforms yeah. that's so they're a little bit more like the crew of Serenity and Firefly. In this movie, yes. Yeah, yes. is what you're saying. Yes, they made them more like the crew of Serenity. Also, what are they called? What are the what are the the bad the bad crazy people aliens called in Firefly? Are they also Ravengers? Uh it is I think they I think the bad crazy people in Firefly are the Ravagers and the mercenary gang here are the Ravagers, yes. Um, a little too many coincidences <laughs> if you ask me. Where's Joss Whedon's check, Marvel? <laughs> uh, um, yeah. I guess next movie, right? His check is next yeah, movie. Yeah, but he does, yeah, Age of Ultron. Age of Ultron. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, one thing I really do like about this movie is they do a really good job <laughs> getting all the Guardians together in this scene we're still talking about mm-hmm. where uh, Star-Lord has the orb. Uh, there's a bounty on Star-Lord, so Rocket and Groot want to catch him, but Gamora, who shows up, wants the orb. So yeah. they're all chasing each other in a great slapsticky sort of fight where you get to see basically what everyone's powers and abilities are, and it's really cool, it's really fun. I'd forgotten how funny it is when Gamora first meets uh, Star-Lord, and she's like kind of talking to him a little bit, and he's kind of like, oh, how's this going to go? And then she just kicks him in the stomach, grabs the orb, and runs away <laughs> so fast it's like it's a joke. Yeah, it is a joke. <laughs> it's really, really funny yeah. how fast she runs away <laughs> after she kicks him. Yeah, yeah. I made a note of it. It was so funny. Yeah, yeah. And then like pretty quickly, do we just get introduced to Ronan? Yeah, I, we jumped over when you meet Ronan. Okay, yeah, because... He's so good in this movie. Ronan's awesome. He seems exactly like the Mandarin from <laughs> Iron Man 3 who is so that way as a joke. And he's like that for real. I, w- I should have written down his lines, but each line is just like, my people have an old decree and I will tr- show you the true meaning of the world and laws. Yeah, what his, his opening line is like, they call me a terrorist because I follow the old religion. Yeah. <laughs> and we're saying it in, in Ben Kingsley uh, Mandarin voice because it works. Yeah, and it's just Lee Pace is such a good actor and it's too bad for him. Um, yeah, I mean, I know what, like, Every now and then I complain that they take a Marvel villain who in the comics mostly just screams all their lines and yells about how enraged they are by everything that's happening. And I say that I wish the villains in the movies were more like that because I like it. And then, you know, they do a movie like this where the villain just screams all of his lines. And I go like, oh, right. This is why the good ones don't do this. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Well, also, too, he's like has like a voice effect. He has, like, they made his voice sound weird. Yeah. It's not, he doesn't have, get to use his human voice. And even, too, Thanos, spoiler alert, Thanos is in this movie. Ronan is working for Thanos. And Josh Brolin Thanos in this, they have a voice effect on him. And yeah. he sounds terrible. Yeah. He's also really bad in this. And the effects don't look good uh, when you see Thanos. But I, I just didn't even realize how big of a difference it is that they completely changed Thanos' voice from this one 
to in Infinity War. They like let it just be Joss Brolin's voice and didn't change it for the movie. Yeah, it's as much at least. It's much better. I mean, that's why I'm excited for next time we see Pip the Troll because you know sometimes they they change him a lot. The next time you see him, Pip's gonna look great next time. I think he's gonna be Pat Oswalt. <laughs> Big prosthetic ears. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so let me ask you guys a question, see if I understand what's going on with the orb. Yeah. Yeah. So the orb is is it, is it Infinity Stone? Yeah. yeah. And it's supposed to be the Power Stone? Yeah. They, they later sort of confirmed that it was the Power Stone. Now, why was, I didn't why catch was that. it so hard for somebody to hold it? So, you know, we're going to, you know, I, I want to talk about this. So the thing about these movies is that they're using characters and names and artifacts from the comics. And I think sometimes for people like me and my my dad, Jeffrey, it's hard for us to to accept the fact that these things with familiar names that we know mm-hmm. just work completely differently in the movie. Mm-hmm. Because in the in the in the comics, the power stone basically it does it can do other things, but basically gives you super strength. If you're holding the power stone, you're Hulk is essentially how the power stone works. So it's sort of a jump that in this movie when they eventually reveal that what's inside the orb is a, an infinity stone, mm-hmm. uh, but what it does is it's so incredibly powerful that if any normal person holds it, it just it almost instantly destroys them. Yeah. And they also say that if it touches any organic matter, it cr- creates a chain reaction that destroys that organic matter. Mm-hmm. And so the big third act like thing that we're gonna you know talk about when we get to it is that Ronan is gonna get the power, get the Infinity Stone. He's gonna fly down to the surface of Xandar and he's just gonna touch the stone to the planet, and that's gonna destroy the entire planet. And they made all those rules because they needed those rules for this specific movie but it's not it's not in keeping with what the infinity what the power stone was in the comics if that answers your question yeah and I believe in creative license I think that you're making a movie an adaptation to a movie from a book or or any kind of comic you can make changes in it yeah and they do like in in Infinity War whenever Thanos is like punching Hulk it's always that that purple stone glowing like they do the, that movie does try to imply when Thanos does super strength stuff it's the purple stone doing it and, and I was thinking about it and I'm like so why is it not like that at all in Infinity War and I guess it's because his gauntlet is so cool it's not re- affecting him as much Thanos yeah I mean I think the idea is that Thanos is so powerful he can even withstand the full infinity gauntlet so he can definitely handle a few stones but I think it's the actual because the gauntlet he has is made by Peter Dinklage giant Peter Dinklage you're right and that's what I think is harnessing like the way that Ronan has it in a hammer because no you're right like no no one touches them in that movie with their bare hands even when Iron Man has it at the end it's with his super nanotech thing that that's the only reason he's able to have it that long because using this film's logic if iron man touched any of them for any amount of time he would instantly explode (laughs) yeah so yeah i think you're right i think this movie sets up that you can place the stone in another artifact and use that to channel it because ronan's gonna stick it in his cool hammer and i guess if you think about that that's how it worked with the tesseract too because that stone was inside the tesseract and a lot of people hold that and they're fine yeah and also we later learned that loki's staff has the mind stone in it but again it was in a staff so you could hold it so it was fine i actually think this is pretty consistent and they probably thought of this okay so good job guys <laughs> you're doing a you're, you're keeping it up you can keep your job marvel studios yeah you get a pass this time 
Um, do do do. It was fun seeing normal Groot. I forgot how magical and big he is. Yeah, after all these years of baby Groot and teenager Groot, I actually did forget what Groot regular yeah. <laughs> is like. He's good. Yeah, he's great. And also, um, little known fact, not everyone might know this. So the the raccoon could understand him more than just saying "I am Groot." Yeah. Mm-hmm. And who else? You know, who else could understand his language more than? Thor. Oh, yes, yeah, Thor, yeah, yeah, Thor can talk to, Thor can understand Groot. Because they say he, it was an elective in Asgard school. Yeah, to learn Groot. Yeah, it's which great. is a good joke. Yeah, yeah, there's some good jokes. It's also not a joke, I guess it's true. Because he could. <laughs> he could actually understand Groot. Um, uh, yeah, that's definitely true. Uh, so then they all get, uh, they all get arrested. Uh, yeah. Rocket Groot, Rocket Groot. Uh, Star, Peter, Quill, and Gamora all get arrested by the Nova Corps uh, who in the comics all have superpowers and in this movie none of them have superpowers. They have pretty good spaceships and sort of cool armor. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. That is true. In the, the, in the comics the Nova Corps are kind of Marvel's Green Lanterns. Yeah. And in this movie they're John C. Riley. <laughs> so actually you know, improvement. Uh, yeah. They should make a Green Lantern movie where John C. Riley's the main Green Lantern. And he doesn't have powers. <laughs> but he has a red wife. Spoiler, yeah. end of the movie, you find out he's a red wife. This whole podcast is a spoiler. Well, we should be warning people. <laughs> um, so they all get taken to jail, uh, space jail. Uh, they go to the kiln, which I think is from the comics. Yeah. Uh, it's where the Nova Corps sends people. Uh, and we meet the the final member of our of our main cast because already imprisoned is Drax, the Destroyer. Yep, he's there, <laughs> uh, and he wants to kill Ronan because he killed his family. Which I forgot that Ronan is the one who actually killed his family. Yeah, so I think this is a good time to talk about. I I I basically think the only real thing that is weird about this movie, the one thing that's a little wonky, and I'll admit, I only. I'm only sure of this because I know the behind-the-scenes situation. Oh, yeah. It's possible if I didn't know the behind-the-scenes situation, I would just think it was a little weird and then, like, brush past it. So when uh, Perlman wrote the first draft of this movie, her idea was to have Thanos be the main villain. Apparently, mm-hmm. from everything I can read, the basic structure of the movie was was what we got. Yeah. But Thanos was the main villain. And then that supposedly is how Marvel even got the idea to use Thanos at all. Like, mm-hmm. he was cool in this Guardian script, and they're like, oh, yeah, Thanos is great. We should use him. And then when they started talking about it and started planning on making Thanos a bigger, more overarching thing, they're like, well, we can't waste, we can't, like, waste him in this movie. Thanos can't die in Guardians of the Galaxy, which he probably did. Mm-hmm. Marvel villains always die in the first yeah. movie they're in. They probably kill Thanos in the original draft of the script. Yeah. So they came up with this idea of replacing Thanos with Ronan, but they left in every character whose entire thing is being related to Thanos in some way. Yeah. Because Gamora and Nebula are Thanos' adopted daughters, and they're, like, rivals for his, like, approval. Yeah. And then in the comics, Drax's thing is that Thanos killed his wife and daughter, and his sole purpose in life in the comics, literally, is to destroy Thanos. And they do this weird thing where it's, like, the Nova Corps explains it, where they're, like, Ronan the Accuser has been loaned Thanos' daughters, and that makes us yeah. think that Ronan is working with Thanos. And then, like, 
there's these all these scenes where like Ronan's just talking to the two daughters. Yeah. And it really seems like a scene that should be between them and their father, but instead they're all just talking about their father who's somewhere else. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a little wonky. Yeah. And so you also get that where Drax in the movie, Ronan personally killed Drax's wife and daughter in his like he saw it happen. He knows yeah. it happened. But he wants to kill Gamora because Gamora is currently working with Ronan. Mm-hmm. And like that would be a hundred percent better if it was Thanos killed my daughter. This is Thanos's daughter, so I'm gonna kill her. Yeah. So you think? Do you think they ever thought about it and just went the whole go the whole way and just change it so Gamora and Nebula are Ronan's kids? They probably thought about it, but I mean, I mean, who can say? Because also part of their big plan that for Thanos that was screwed up Infinity Wars also. Yeah, exactly. I mean, part of their big plan for Thanos was to do stuff with Gamora and Nebula. So like, I bet they didn't seriously consider that. I mean, they might have considered having Thanos be in this movie even less, like mm-hmm. talk about him less. Yeah, it seems like it was a setup, setting up the subsequent movies with Thanos, and then they just had to make Ronan not as not as cool or powerful as Thanos. Yes, so they could say now we're going to the to the real mega villain. Yes, that was definitely the idea. I mean, they literally have Ronan have Ronan, who's pretty Darth Vadery, have conversations with a holographic head of Thanos, all em- em- emperor style. Yeah, so and... that is what they were going for, I think. Uh, I think that one thing this movie does really, really well in the in the sort of first act and the mm-hmm. first half of the second act yeah. is they do a really good job giving all of the characters good reasons to stick together before they're friends. Mm-hmm. Like the idea that they you get this great like uh, cat and mouse thing of uh, Gamora. They they Gamora knows someone who can buy the orb. Yeah. Gamora knows a, Gamora knows a buyer for the orb. Mm-hmm. Quill wants to sell the orb. Yeah. Rocket and Groot want to sell Quill. M- Dra- yeah. Drax wants to lure Ronan out to kill him, and he knows yeah. that Ronan's going to try to c- come for them because he wants the orb. And so they're yeah. all locked in this little thing where they all have different reasons for doing this stuff together when they don't like each other yet. And that's hard to pull off. And I thought that that's probably the strongest thing about this movie is that you buy that they spend enough time together to become friends. Yeah, I, t- I totally agree with that. And I think this is a really interesting, d- different than the other Marvel movies because it's about all of these new characters becoming friends and becoming a team. And I think they really sell it. It's a movie about friendship. Yeah. Becoming friends. Yeah, def- it winds up becoming much better friends than the Avengers do. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> the Avengers are bad friends. Yeah, there's never a movie where the point of the movie is half the Guardians try to arrest the other half of the Guardians. Yeah. <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's Guardians 3. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, they they do some cool stuff in the middle. They go to Nowhere, which yeah. is a, a city inside the severed head of a Celestial. What? There's going to be Celestials in these movies? I bet you the movie with Celestials in them a bunch is going to be awesome. <laughs> oh, yeah. I can't wait till they get to a movie all about my favorite guys the celestials um uh and they meet the collector who i love in the comics and is fine in these movies he has such a nice leather uh uh, uh fur coat yeah i mean nice. now that all the star wars prequels are out mm-hmm. our sequels are out the yeah. thing that makes this most like a star wars movie is that there's a section of this movie where they just go to a weird place and talk to the Benicio Del Toro for a while yeah. and maybe they didn't need to. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I guess they saw this scene and they were like, yeah, he could be in it and he could also betray them like in this movie. Yeah. Um, yeah, man. Yeah, so... And the, the, the collector... When they're talking to the collectors, he tells them all this Infinity Stone stuff. That's when they find yeah. out there's a stone inside and the And they're orb. like, oh, no, it's the Infinity Stone? I thought it was just an orb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Um, Let's keep calling it the orb, though. Yeah, and and uh, Drax calls Ronan to them, and and Ronan messes them all up. They all yeah. freak out. Ronan gets the orb. Oh boy, does he get the orb? Um, uh, there is like a, a scene. This is I like to bring up. Uh, this will be another one of our patented segment. Marley's pet peeves. Okay. Because uh, there's a scene in this when when Ronan messes them all up and uh, 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 gets the orb. Uh, where Gamora gets uh, shot out into space. Yeah. And Gamora's floating in space, and her body immediately starts to ice over, uh, yeah. which is not what would happen in outer space, because outer space is very cold, but there's nowhere for the heat of your body to go. So mm-hmm. you wouldn't freeze like that. It's fine. And then Rocket is like, her body mods, she's like a cyborg, so he's like, her body mods will, mods will keep her alive for a few minutes, but mm-hmm. there's nothing we can do. And then Star-Lord jumps out into space, and he's like, yo, Quill, you're a normal human, you'll die in seconds. Yeah. And they're using this to slightly hint that Quill is not a normal human when he survives, uh-huh. uh, but humans can survive in the vacuum of space for a minute or two, as long as you get them back in, it's fine. I don't know why movies think that you die and freeze instantly. Uh, yeah, it's not good for you, and they wouldn't have been okay right afterwards, like they are in this movie. They would probably die later. (laughs) Yeah, it's like a weird thing. It's like movies act like you die instantly, but if you're saved, you're fine. Where in reality, you got a couple minutes, but you're fucked for life. Another big thing, no sound in space. What the hell, movie? (laughs) That doesn't bother me. I know, I'm just talking about if we're saying what's real. (laughs) Uh, anyway. They don't explain how they do interplanetary travel either. I'm a little bit confused. <laughs> how do they go so fast? <laughs> Warp drives. It's Star Wars. Okay. <laughs> I know. Okay. They all, uh, you know, Gamora. They Gamora and Quill get caught up by caught by Yondu and the Ravagers, and then Drax and Rocket and Groot meet up with the Ravagers. They all make friends with the Ravagers. <laughs> yeah, the Ravagers. So many people in this movie get convinced to be on their side just by saying. Hey, we could sell the orb together. <laughs> yeah. Like each person is like, uh, we got you. And he's like, hey, what if we sell buy what if we get the orb and sell it together? And everyone is like, okay, sure. The orb is worth so much money, no matter how many of us we get together, it still makes sense to do whatever it takes to get the orb. Yeah. Everyone wants that orb. Every time. Uh, it's worth four billion units, Marley. Yeah, and with inflation these days, you'd need as many units as you can get. Well, and the orb is an NFT, so the orb's price goes up. Oh, yeah. I guess you're right. I would, a, I would say if, if a Infinity Stone is not, it can be funged, then anything can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The orb is, a, is an NFO, non-fungible orb. <laughs> Great. It's true. Uh, but as someone says in this scene, how are they going to take on Ronan and get the orb? He's got hundreds of Sakarans. Because apparently Ronan's weird, faceless, nothing guys are supposed to be from Sakar, the planet Jeff Goldblum's from in oh, Ragnarok. Oh, man. Yeah, but they're that's, not. That's just them using an alien name they had trademarked because they didn't think they were ever going to use the Sakarans. It is completely nuts that Ronan doesn't have Kree working for him. It, or Thanos' guys. They should either be Kree or Chitauri. What are the other? But they should be Kree. 
He's like, there should be more than one Cree terrorist. <laughs> Are you telling me seriously only one guy is against this peace treaty? Right. That's like, also why Ronan's doing this is because the people in Xandar and the Cree have a peace treaty and he's so upset about it, he's going to blow up all of Xandar. Yeah, so basically Ronan is supposed to be like a religious extremist. Uh, and yeah, you're right. It's weird that he doesn't have a single other person from his home religion on board with this. And there's yeah. no good reason for his people not to be Cree. In the comics, Ronan is just like one of the Cree leaders. Yeah. He's, he's like a Cree. Yeah. He's, he's, I mean, Cree Darth Vader. Yeah. Cree Darth Vader is not a bad description of what his deal is supposed to be. Yeah. So he's meant to, the Cree are into him in the comics. Yes. But he, but I agree with you that if you're going to do a story where Ronan is broken from his, his country, his people, and he's going off and doing his own thing, and he has a little army with him, why wouldn't it be an army? It also kind of seems like maybe the Kree government should be in it at all. Like, he could have also been doing a terrorist attack against the Kree. That's more how these things work in real life. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Like, if, yes, if you're really mad about what your, yes, government's doing, you blow up your own government, it's easier. Yeah, right. Uh, Yeah, it's weird that the Technically, the peace treaty between Xandar and the Kree Empire is so important to this movie, and we spend just no time on what that even means. Because also, you know, I've seen a bunch of seasons of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they talk about who the Kree are, uh, but most people haven't. Yeah. I haven't. (laughs) I haven't seen those. I've read some comics with the Kree in them. And Captain Marvel wound up actually being all about the Kree, but that movie comes out way later. In the past, though. In the past. And Ronan's in that. Yeah, I don't remember him in that movie. Yeah, when Captain Marvel gets her full powers. I stop. Okay. (laughs) I could tell you. No, I I don't want you to. I remember. I know. Jeff, do you remember? Not sure. Okay. Yeah, he doesn't. (laughs) Well, Ronan's in it. We're going to talk about it. The whole point of this podcast is that I will find out one day (laughs) and we'll talk about it on mic. I don't need to find out before. That actually ruins the idea behind this podcast. It doesn't ruin it. It's not great. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, so do you you have anything to say about this, uh, how this big this big space battle ends? There's three, so it's like, the rap, it's Ronan and his, uh, what are they, the Necro Blasters? Yeah, <laughs> the Nec- Also, this is another thing ne- about how- Necromicon. So you're asking, why doesn't he have Kree with him? It's because this was going to be Thanos' army when this was going to be Thanos. And of course Thanos would have weird Necro spaceships and guys with skulls for faces and like all the weird like death and like the death goth yeah. themed ship yeah. would have made sense if they were introducing a new version of Thanos, the Mad Titan who loves death. Yeah, sure. Yeah, it would have made sense. So when they swapped in Ronan, they just left everything else how it was. It has to be what happened. Yeah, and they were like, these dummies won't even be able to tell. It's, it's fine. And it is fine. It's a good movie. Yeah, I don't mind at all. <laughs> <laughs> Works out fine. Completely worked. They did a great job. Um, but yeah, I mean, like the Ronan stuff is, but like, whatever. I'm glad that the bad villain in this movie is Ronan and not Thanos. Yes. Because they were right. Thanos could get to be a better villain in a different movie. It's good that they didn't. Yes, it's good they didn't I'm, waste Thanos. Uh, and, you know, it messes Drax's stuff up a little bit uh, because at the end, after they, you know, spoilers, kill Ronan, Drax is just like, yeah, but Ronan was working for Thanos, so now my thing is killing Thanos. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, well, that's confusing. I do. I was trying to remember because I remember when these movies were coming out, people were really criticizing the Marvel third acts. Yes. Being all the same. And I was like, they're not that similar. And then I was thinking about it and I was like, okay, I guess Thor the Dark World 
Winter Soldier and this movie all end with a big ship hitting the ground. <laughs> and that all does track, that that is how those three films end, is a big ship crashing into the ground. Yeah, and they all came out, yeah, back to back. Yeah, so yeah, that is that is pretty damning with all three of those. I mean, different things are happening in them, but, uh, you know, it's a very similar uh, escalation of what the worst thing can happen is, is a big ship hitting the ground. Uh, and in both of, in the the Kree ship and the one from Thor the Dark World are both just like black blobs. Yeah, they look very so. similar. Um, and, you know, I mean, I think... I think it's to James Gunn's credit as both uh, the other writer of the movie and then, you know, director and storyboarder of, of the movie that Ronan and his Sakarans could have easily been as boring as Malekith and his Dark Elves. And as much as we are criticizing them, they're better. Yeah. Ronan's better than, than Malekith. Is he? Yes. Is he? Yes. Ronan's definitely better than Malekith. Yeah, he is better than Malachi. If for no right. other reason than they just correctly spend less time with him. Yeah. Spend, I mean, part of how they use him better is they just talk about him well, less. Well, okay, yeah. He's better than Malachi because he speaks English the whole movie. That helps. If, if you imagine every scene where he talked to Thanos, if it wasn't in English, then I think they'd be at the same level. That's sure. That's Because there are a bunch of scenes with Malachi where he's just speaking in dark elf. <laughs> and they're pretty... Uh, hard to understand or even harder for the very good actor underneath to come out um so i i think but, i think malekith and ronin are pretty similarly po- under poorly used characters and i do think ronin works better yeah but like uh, for me personally a little bit better <laughs> like he's in a much better movie yes and the the thing about thor is that the thor of the dark world is it's like the other stuff also doesn't work yes. and in this one the other stuff it's like okay yeah he's a little bit boring but the the other characters interacting with each other are so much fun you don't really care that much about the villain and that's fine even the fact like nebula's in the movie and she is a she's a better villain in it than he is like i i like some of her stuff yeah, Nebula's good in this movie. I actually was a little surprised. I guess we'll see when we rewatch it. Because in uh, Guardians Volume 2 and then Infinity War and Endgame, Nebula's like one of my favorite characters. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Karen Gillan as Nebula is one of my favorite MCU things. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she was not as good in this movie as I remember her being in all the other ones. So I think, I do think this was Karen Gillan doing a really great job with not a ton of material in this one. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. I just think there's there's a fight between her and Gamora on the ship that I felt like you you could see some of uh, what is in the later films come through and yeah. stuff. And like after that, she like rips off her hand and jumps off and punches uh, punches through a ship and throws a guy out. And I'm like, that's great. Yeah, that's better than anything Ronan does in this movie. It definitely is. And also the way that Nebula storms around and just screams at underlings is obviously meant to be funny, and it is effectively funny. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah. And one time she gets uh, shot by a by Drax and she gets all messed up and you get to see her robot body put itself back together. It's yeah. cool. No, Nebula's great. Whereas Ronan, it's just a big guy and I don't know. He's a big guy with a big hammer. Yeah, that he doesn't really get to use that much. He didn't seem to help him much once he got the stone. No. He didn't, he didn't seem to use the, it so effectively. You know what he does with this stone? What? He does a force push or as I'm calling it now, 
Matrix res- Resurrections Neo Power. <laughs> yeah. Where he j- force pushes people around a bunch with it. Yeah. The because power- the first time he beat up Drax, he didn't have the stones yet. No. No. And he, didn't and he beat him up easily. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. One, one thing that is a little weird about it is that Ronin is already capable of beating up all of our heroes with really no trouble. And then he gets the stone and... Obviously, that's a bigger deal because now he can destroy a planet, but it doesn't change the situation that much for the heroes who already couldn't hurt him. Yeah, I, yeah, yep, yep, 100%. I do think the idea, because the the whole, the whole, like, third act is the people fighting the spaceships out above Xandar while uh, a couple of the Guardians infiltrate uh, Ronin's ship. And I do think when, because uh, he has the stone at that point, I do think when they shoot him with rockets like special homemade blaster gun, yeah. I think the idea is supposed to be if he didn't have the stone, that would have killed him. Yeah. I guess I, I just thought of it. I guess he really should have fought Thanos at the end. Oh. Ronin, with the stone. Oh, Ronan should have fought Thanos yeah. to show that he's really powerful? Yeah, and then Thanos would have had to figure out some way to beat him while, while Ronan had the stone. And then Thanos is the hero of the movie when he defeats Ronan? I don't know how they could have worked that in, but... <laughs> No, I mean, hey, I'm, roll, I'm rolling with it. Well, I think that's what would have happened next if the Guardians hadn't beaten him. Yeah. Thanos would have showed up and tried to get the stone from him. That's what I'm saying. That would have been yeah. fun to see. Yeah, it would have been. Uh, what if writers, <laughs> Jeffrey Halpern just gave you a freebie. <laughs> uh, you can have that one. Did Thanos have any stones at that point yet? Uh, no. No, Thanos. So at this point, if, if everyone's keeping track at home, uh, Thanos had one stone, the one in Loki's staff. Yeah. He gave it to Loki, and then Loki lost it. So Thanos has so far lost the only stone he had. Yes. Yep. And, yeah, so he's sad, probably. (laughs) But they do, a guy in this movie says Thanos is the strongest person in the universe, which is not true. Hulk is strongest there is. (laughs) (laughs) I just mean, there's no, I mean, sure, whatever. It is funny that they say that when they say that Thanos, I mean, it's just they were figuring this stuff out. Like, in the comics, Thanos is one of the, like, cosmically powered, very hard to beat, one of the most powerful people in the universe. So they just kind of said that because that's Thanos' deal in the comics. But then in the movies, you learn he's just a a tall, large purple man. uh, Mm. And without his armies and without the stone, he's just, like, normal. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, he's pretty strong, I think. Yeah, Yeah, I think think what I remember about Thanos from from the original comics, I think they came to the movie, is that his his thing, he was strong, but he used technology. Yes. So, like, they thought it really used technology, and other really powerful Hulk doesn't use technology. Yes, a lot of Thanos' strength comes from uh, technology that he's... Almost more like Galactus. That he's utilizing. Yes, yes. He doesn't always punch people. He rarely gets Galactus, but even more so Galactus doesn't punch people out. But yes, Thanos' power. Also, in the comics, Thanos is kind of an eternal. He's a little bit like a deviant, but I won't go into that. Yeah, that'll be what all of Infinity War is about. (laughs) (laughs) We're leaving that, yeah. Yeah, man. Um, man. So, w- w- do we we have final thoughts about the movie? Yeah. Do you Someone... like the Do you like the dance battle? Do you like? Uh, yeah, it's a like, good joke. Do you like Quill distracted Ronan with a dance off? Yeah, Chris Pratt's good in this movie. He is good That's, in this movie. It, it really, it's crazy that they, in in the it, not really, but they kind of discovered or made their careers in the in the form that they are now. Dave Bautista and uh, Chris Pratt. Chris Pratt is a big deal. Yeah, the fact, yes, Chris Pratt and Chris Pratt solidifying himself as like an action leading man, and then Batista solidifying himself as just a really, really, really strong 
like comedic performer in a way that I don't think anybody thought that he could be. Yeah, definitely. And they're both yeah. They're so, so good in this movie and then they're in tons of movies after this because of this movie. Yeah, so many movies. Um He pulled it off his title. It was a hard role to pull off really. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it is like, you know, like you said at the beginning, and I was the same way, like I was specifically excited that Chris Pratt was in this movie. It felt like a win for us. For It felt like a win for the world that a cool, funny guy like Chris Pratt got to be in this Marvel movie. And it's so weird how differently I feel about him now. Yeah, yeah. Um, but he's good in this movie. Yeah, it's just how times change because... You know, if it's just somebody, he was just on one show that we really liked. Yeah, so uh, like, I also liked him in The O.C. He's in season four. He's very good. Oh, that's great to hear, Marley. <laughs> <laughs> that's why I was excited to see him in Parks and Rec. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, I'm a weird guy. <laughs> yeah. You love The O.C. I do. Honestly, after we're done with these Marvel movies, there's such a high chance that this will turn into Hero O.C. Watch. <laughs> <laughs> We could get Dillia to do that one with us. Yeah, for our, sure. That's our sister, for those of you listening who aren't our <laughs> uncle. Yeah. Um, yep. So. Uh, man, what else is there about this movie? You get Baby Groot. Groot sacrifices himself. I forgot the line where they say, we are Groot. Oh, man, you can't forget we are Groot. Yeah. Uh, so line. we had talked about that we're, we're jumping universes now, but, you know, we have also this year all watched uh, James Gunn's Suicide Squad. Yeah. And you were saying that uh, King Shark in that was basically a Hulk. And I was um, saying that I think King Shark is basically a Groot. Yeah. Now that you've been reminded what adult Groot was like, do what do you do? You think uh, King Shark in Suicide Squad is more Hulk or more Groot? Or oh, way Tom- more Hulk. So you you stand, yeah, you stand way by more it. Hulk because Groot is completely under control of what he wants to do. He's like a smart guy. That's true. He does some silly things, but like Groot is portrayed in this movie as being in some ways childlike, but also very magical and having like a deep insight and sacrifices himself for everyone. Whereas King Shark is like me hungry, <laughs> and 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 you know. But there's like four scenes in this movie where someone looks over and Groot's just like eating something like a dog. Yeah, but like he's like he he is representing this nature thing. Yeah. Because there's also scenes where like Groot just releases a bunch of fireflies and you're meant to be like, wow that's so beautiful that Groot did that. And that never happens with Hulk or King Shark. Well, there's that scene where King Shark swims around with all those glowing squid and then you're like, wow that's so beautiful. Well, for King Shark King Shark doesn't do that. King, King well, because that's a mo- we're not talking about that movie. For both good movies though yeah the scene that made really reminded me of king shark in it is groot stabs like a ton of people and throws them around the room and it's like yeah if james gunn had his way this movie would have been r-rated and (laughs) Groot would be ripping people's heads off and then they would be the exact same okay sure i just mean like you know he's we're going down the rabbit hole guys groot is a chewbacca King Shark is a Hulk, and King Shark and Groot are like each other. Okay, <laughs> I like talked about what we didn't want to do. I think I think that I think that James Gunn's Hulk is King Shark, okay. and I think James Gunn's Chewbacca is Groot. 
Okay, that's definitely the final word on that. I, I, I agree with you. You've won me over. How many groups do you give this movie? Um, uh, yeah, do you want to yeah. do our final so, ratings? On this podcast, we do a thing where I say how many the movie Iron Man I think this movie is worth. So, for example, Iron Man is worth one Iron Man. Iron Man 2 is worth, like, 0.6 Iron Mans because it's not as good as Iron Man. Avengers was point. Four Iron Mans, because it's better than Iron Man. This movie, Guardians of the Galaxy, this movie is going to get one Iron Man. Whoa. So I think it's exactly as good as Iron Man, um, And for I some, guess. some of the same reasons, kind of like uh, tonal, like just yeah. the, having a, a very distinct tone and vision for itself that felt a little yeah. fresh. Yeah, and I would say Iron Man, you know, is a more important film and maybe a little bit more interesting because more time has passed or whatever, but Guardians of the Galaxy is a movie you'll watch now and not be grossed out at, and Iron Man isn't. <laughs> you will probably think, ooh, yikes, at Iron Man a little bit, and this movie you'll go, oh, Chris Pratt, I guess, but, ooh, he's got good abs in this one. <laughs> yeah, we didn't even talk about the abs. Man. Yeah, Chris Pratt's got, uh, yeah, he got real bustly. I mean, this was the first, Chris Pratt was the first actor to not already be known as in pretty good shape and then get in crazy good shape and it being being part of the marketing. He didn't even do it for this movie. He did it for the movie right before this. Yeah, Zero Dark Thirty. But everyone remembers it as him getting in shape for this Marvel movie and I think started the idea that that's something an actor would do when they're not that kind of guy already. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, okay, so what I do on the podcast is I watch the movie and I count how many Iron Mans are physically in the movie. Yeah. And uh, sometimes I get a little loose with it. Uh, sometimes I get a little conceptual. Yeah. Uh, just to keep the ranking going. But I think for this one, uh, I think, Austin, we can finally uh, just meet in the middle. I also give this movie one Iron Man because Peter Quill is just straight up Iron Man. <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, got, I, was, I was thinking that. He's also. got a little boosters on his feet. He's got a mask that goes on and off, a little cool mask that goes yeah. on and off whenever he wants to talk. And to that's someone. it. End list. And uh, Sometimes you can't tell the guns if, if the guns are actually in his hand or if they're just part of his... Yeah, he's got, he's got these his guns. guns are almost he's, like repulsor rays. He's got cool electrical guns. He's got daddy issues. He's got... He's, you know who he's, I he's, think... He's arrested development. You know who I think is Iron Man in this movie? Rocket. Rocket Raccoon. <laughs> because I was writing down, I was like, it's interesting to have like the smart tech one also be like a weird dumb jerk. And that's Iron Man too. <laughs> yeah, um, no, you're right. Rocket is definitely the the inventor uh, mechanic of the group. Yeah. Um. All right. You know what? Sure. I've I've become real wishy washy with these, and I've let Austin just just run all over <laughs> me with these ratings. Uh. So I'm gonna say that Rocket is uh, worth half an Iron Man because it, he's uh, a weird jerk who builds things, uh -huh. and Peter Quill is worth half an Iron Man because he's <laughs> oh, a human sure. with repulsor blast feet and a mask. And I give this movie one fucking Iron Man. <laughs> Still one Iron Man. <laughs> Marley, I imagine the other version of this too, where you weren't a coward and you were willing to do my Iron Man rating system, uh -huh. you would also be arguing with me and be like, no, I think it's worth two Iron Mans. But you don't want people to know because the Iron Man rating system I have means something at all. And you don't want people to know that. And my system is important because it reminds people that this is all stupid, which is a valuable service. <laughs> okay, what do you think, Dad? Yeah, how many... Great. <laughs> you agree with... I agree. All right. That's fair. So... That's my final comment. How okay. many Iron Mans you guys give Christmas? <laughs> we just did Christmas, by the way. Or yeah. Solstice. Or, yeah, we just did... Uh, yeah. Uh, I don't know. There was no Iron Man here. Um, I'm going to give it 
15 Iron Mans. The, like, the... Okay, we'll see you all on New Year's Day. <laughs> I guess not. Next movie is uh, Age of Ultron. Yeah, right? Age of Ultron. You you would, uh, when we were watching this movie, there's a little scene where Groot's being shot at by little uh, prison guard drones. Yeah. And you were oh, saying yeah. that this movie is anti-drone. Yeah. And then we were remembering that Winter Soldier is uh, sort of anti-drone. Yeah. And then we remembered the next movie is Age of Ultron. So let's find out if the real theme of Phase 2 is that drones are bad, because it actually, that might come together. Yeah. Yeah, they, they, we'll see if the robots in Age of Ultron are bad or not. We're not <laughs> sure. Catch you all next time. Here we watch. Thank you for letting me be on the show, guys. Yes, yeah. thank you for joining us again, uh, uh, Dad, and thanks for sticking with us for the whole uh, episode this time. Yeah, this is a ton of fun. Um, and yeah. Like we used to say in the 60s, peace out, brothers. Boop, 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 boop. It's me, the newsman. I'm back. Thank you so much for listening to our episode. Please give us a follow and rating on the television if you liked it. I'm a newsman. Our intro and outro music are by Josh Pan. Art is by Will Patrick. Austin Alpern Grazer edits the podcast. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Hero Rewatch. Marley is Marley HG on Twitter, and I'm Austin HG. For some more Hero Rewatch stuff, look up Austin Halpern Grazer on Instagram and TikTok. Boop, 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 and that's all the news. Boop, 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 boop. Good night, New York.